movies can have social subjects, but the story needs to be good and solid first and foremost. That's actually that's the one thing capitalism needs more of with dragons. <laughs> In a funny twist of irony, hmm. when Jesus is born, he escapes to Egypt. Hello and welcome to the Tales to Adam podcast. Here with Adam and Adam. How you doing, Adam? I'm good, Adam. How you doing? Yeah, real well, thanks. Uh, we're currently <laughs> trying to work this one mic. I feel like I'm gonna like kiss you vicariously somehow. That's fine. You can do that. We'll we'll allow it. Just this once. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Today we are talking about places. You. Yeah. Shout out to you if you love geography. Love you, James Ulrich. Oh my gosh, I just realised why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> did, he, did he request this? No, of course not. He doesn't, he doesn't listen to us anymore. Well, he's missing out. Sucks for you, James. Sucks for you. Um, love you anyway. Yeah, you're a good bloke. And you love your geography. I was um, in the cafe with him one time, and at one point, he just pulled out like a map, like Google Maps. And we spent like a solid 10 minutes just like looking through maps of like the Southern Highlands. And I was kind of thoroughly entertaining with him there. Yeah, did he give you the, the full on tour of like where things were and what he used to do there? Uh, no, but he was like showing me where he used to live and like why it's significant to where, I don't know, I can't remember now, but it was interesting at the time. Standard. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about ge- geographical places. So if you're wondering why certain things, maybe if we don't mention Castita from, what's it called, Encanto, or like Hogwarts from Harry Potter, they're buildings. We've kind of separated them from like geographical locations, just to open the door for us to maybe talk about buildings in a future episode if we run out of ideas. (laughs) So if you're thinking your favorite place, like the borough, or, you know, Frodo's house, or something... <laughs> that's all I got. Um, you know, Professor Oak's laboratory. If you're like, why aren't these on there? Uh, it's because uh, we're not talking about buildings. It's a sort of small line in the sand that we've drawn. We're talking about places. Yeah, but I thought to to intro it. Where's one of your favorite? You know, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be the favorite. Where's one of your favorite places in the world? Yeah. IRL. IRL. My grandparents own a farm out in Lithgow. Mm. I feel like I spent a good amount of my childhood there, hanging out with cows, riding motorbikes, hanging out in the creek. And, um, yeah, I often refer to it as, like, my happy place. But it's just, like, so peaceful and fun. And, yeah, uh, what about you? Yeah, I really should have planned an answer to this question. <laughs> I was going to ask it. Oh, I'll give it one. It's, I haven't been there in a long time. But, so I'm from southwest Sydney, and in, I think it's in Canleyville, or like Caramar or something, it's near a Sizzler that I'm pretty sure isn't there anymore. Remember Sizzler? Hashtag mm. not sponsored. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that's, that's why Sizzler aren't a thing anymore, because they went bankrupt sponsoring us. <laughs> um, there's a place called Oak Dean Park, and it's literally just, you know, it's not like a playground or like a soccer field or anything, it's just an area with grass and a path and a massive oak tree. Cool. And the tree's like 150 years old. Yeah. Or something like that. It's big. And it's like branches are like thick so you can like walk on them. Yeah. If you're if you're not worried about falling. Yeah, it's a pretty big tree. Like I mean very like thick branches as well. I'm not just, yeah, yeah. Not like I'm just being a daredevil. I'm actually a little bit 
iffy with heights. Like, I think I have a healthy fear of heights that all people should have. Yeah. These are, like, actual, like, footpath width branches Mm. that you can just walk on. And then there's ones where you you do a bit more climbing, but that's one of the nicest places in the world um, Mm. for me. Yeah. Big old tree. Hectic. Big old tree. I feel like there's some, like, there's a fantasy land. Oh, Magic Fireway tree. They live in a big old tree. Sick. Um, well, I'm about to ask you, but is that one of your, like, big, uh, places? Magic Fireway land, I suppose? What, what are your fictional places? Yeah, okay. I don't know what that is. I didn't get that reference. Magic Fireway tree! No, I don't know. Is that, is that from Fern Gully? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so I'm just recently been roasting <laughs> in conversations with my wife. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with friend No, no, no. It was, um, it, it stemmed from my, I've seen Barbie now. Um, I hadn't last nice. episode. And it sort of stemmed from my, my belief that, you know, movies are first and foremost stories. Mm-hmm. And so movies can have social subtext. Mm-hmm. But the story needs to be good and solid first and foremost. And then thematic, like, social things, you can present them. Um, mm. It's like, it can still be why you made the movie, but it does come secondary to good story. And yeah. I think there were some, a lot of my issues with Barbie were like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and so the, um, <laughs> the social commentary frustrated me because it was secondary, but it, uh. it superseded logical storytelling. What do I know? I'm just a man. Um, I'm just, I'm just Ken. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even a Ken. I'm a, I'm a regular ugly. You're man. Ken off, mate. I'm Ken <laughs> Yes, we can. Um, no, I'm not as good looking as any of the Kens. Um, oh, fair. Weren't enough chubby Kens, in my opinion. Um, needed, and my, even my wife said there needed to be at least one smart Ken. But he's a boy toy. That's his whole thing. Yeah, but also that's like Barbie's whole thing. But then. It's not, because Barbie's the president and a physicist. Anyway, we're not talking about Barbie. <laughs> but the Fern Gully thing came from that, because I was like, if you're a kid and you watch Fern Gully, you can just watch the movie and like it and completely miss the whole we should save the environment yeah. factor. You could miss that if you aren't looking for the subtext. And Sarah was like, um, well, like you, you watched it wrong. And I was like, yeah, but it's a kid's movie. Like It's first and foremost a story. Mm. It's meant to subtly ingrain, mm. and that was my thing of where um, taking digs at Fernley came from. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's in my head. That's just you know, well, Fernley is just um, Avatar for kids, like the, the blue <laughs> yeah, people Avatar, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blue, the bad Avatar. <laughs> yeah, bad not because it's bad, but just because it's not last Avatar. So it's I not think it's, be. it's not the good one. <laughs> if that's the, the if Avatar is the the standard of goodness, everything else is terrible. Trash. <laughs> Facts. Um, but speaking of Evan, I see, um, there's a method to my madness. Um, <laughs> if you've had a look at that world map, ah. that's one of my favourite like fictional worlds. Um, it does have a lot of like cultural things, and obviously a fantastic story, fantastic characters, um, and good plot. Um, but that's not what today's episode is about. One thing it also does really well is it's a world. And you look at the world map, is it's small. It's not huge like our... Excuse me, it's not huge like our Earth. But um, it's a very clear and well uh, set out map. And it's, you know, colour-coded. Hmm. So you can see it's got, you know, the four 
nations spread out. You've got the massive like continental um, Earth Kingdom, the water tribes at the North and South Poles, various air temples because the air, air nomads are nomadic. They have four temples and they're kind of named similarly because they're kind of in the four... If you're looking at a map and it's a square, the temples are kind of in the corners. It's like not not the compass points, yeah. but they're still called the northern, southern, eastern yeah, and western right. temples. Yeah, yeah. But they're not really structured like that. They kind of are, but like I'm pretty sure one of them, either the northern or southern, is like the most western temple, but it's not called the western temple because it's further south. Oh well, that makes if that if that makes any sense. Like, but they're spread out across the world because they're nomadic, and then the Fire Nation is kind of like its own island. It's got like an archipelago going on there, but it's like a smaller island mm. nation. Uh, I guess kind of like what you might look at if you looked at Asia. The Fire Nation is like Japan with mm. the like the Earth Kingdom being across the, the ocean being more like China. Mm. Um, and then you have the North and South Poles and a couple of other things spread out. So basically, it's, that's, that's, if that gives you an idea of the size, it's, their world map is enough to fit in the Arctic, Antarctica, mm. Japan and China and some other stuff. So it's not a huge world, but yeah, it's broken up, you know, based on the four nations. So like it's geographically linked to the plot, mm-hmm. which I like. And then there's some really beautiful places within that, you know, places with volcanoes and uh, northern and southern lights and uh, canyons and deserts and swamps. And mm-hmm. there's lots of stuff going on, waterfalls, like. All the great things about Earth's natural beauty, they've got an avatar. Um, mm. It's just a smaller sort of world. And I do appreciate it for being like explicitly tied up in the world building and mm. the war. Because, you know, it's not like, where do five vendors come from? Or oh, they come from, you know, <laughs> uh, they, they come from Spain. It's like, no, they're from a fire nation. <laughs> the whole world and the story just... It's, it's, it's like, I'm trying to think of like what the word is, like mm. like everything. Yeah. It's, it's fundamental. Um, mm. Like if you think of, you know, we've got our United Nations like that have representatives from each, uh, from, from countries in our world. Like we've got a lot more countries. Mm. But in Avatar, it's like, well, five and it's come from the Fire Nation because that's where they all <laughs> yeah. are. Like yeah, yeah. there's a simplicity to it, but it actually makes complex world building. Which is mm. cool when something's simple. It seems really reductionist. Mm. Like, oh yeah, the Earth Kingdoms where all the Earth Vendors are from. But it adds to the complexity of the story because it's a story about war. Mm. Um, so true. Geopolitical conflict. Yeah. Geopolitical is the word I was looking for. Like the whole, you know, economic, cultural, everything. It's linked to not just people's abilities, but where they come from. Mm. Because those two things are uh, intrinsically linked. Mm. Anyway. Sick. Uh, my other one is Narnia. Classic, <laughs> nice. If you've read a Narnia book, you'll know there's usually a map on the first couple of pages yeah. uh, with locations that are specific to the story. Um, and if you kind of merge them all, like, Narnia is a cool world. It's a big world. And it's huge. if you think, think of it like geographically, it's really cool. Yeah, especially if you, if you go east enough, you get to the end of the world. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, like, Narnia is a flat earth in the same way that Asgard is a flat earth if you've watched like, yeah, sure. the MCU you think whoa it's a, like Asgard is straight up yeah. a flat planet <laughs> um, 
flat Asgard theory is not a theory. <laughs> uh, they they reference that in Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Prince Caspian is like, you guys never told me you're from a round planet. <laughs> like, like that's a, a thing that they, yeah, right. they they know for a fact that Narnia's world is flat. <laughs> and <laughs> that, you know, Edmund and Lucy and Eustace, they're from a, a round planet. You can't fall off the edge of the Earth. And, like, <laughs> and it's like an actual thing of, oh. Yeah, right. So C.S. Lewis was not a flat earther. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> he just creates flat earth. But he made it, yeah, he made it. Um, so there's that, kind of, that's a cool, like, Narnia-specific thing. Yeah. But also in the story of Narnia, there are other worlds. Mm. And there's the, the wood between the worlds, your magician's nephew, where you go there and you enter a pond and Mm. Then you can get into a whole other like that's a really cool version of the multiverse. Because mm. usually, I've talked about this before. If you like, because in the MCU, for example, Doctor Strange technically introduced the multiverse by name. Mm. The Ancient One says, "Who are you in this vast multiverse?" And she's referring to the fact that there's the mirror dimension, the dark dimension, all these other the one where he's where everything is hands. <laughs> like these are all different dimensions. Mm. that kind of still exist within the same universe. Like, mm. if you, in Multiverse of Madness, he goes to Earth 838. Mm. That universe would have its own dark dimension. Mm. Um, and, like, in Shang-Chi, you know, he goes to Talo, which is in another dimension. Earth 838 would have its own Talo. Like, so it's yeah, kind of, right. you know, the omniverse, where there's multiverses and multiverses. Yeah. There's different ways of interpreting the multiverse. Um, yeah. In Endgame, it's based on time travel. You go back in time, you make a new timeline. That's what the multiverse is. Mm. But sometimes it's just you go to a different universe and it's like everything is black and white, like Spider-Man Noir. Mm. Um, things like that. They're so different that it can't just be it's an alternate timeline. Mm. So otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So there's sort of those ways of looking at it. And Narnia is kind of like the Spider-Man noir version, I guess, but it's distinct. It's not like there's a version of, you know, Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy yeah. in, in each of those worlds. It's just like, it's like space. It just occupies mm. a different space. You go there, you go, they visit Chan, which is the city where the White Witch is originally from, mm. and she's destroyed everything. And that's a completely unique world that's full of, like, large, giant-like people. Mm. Um, and it's been destroyed and the sky is red mm. that's really cool that's a really cool interesting world building then you go to Narnia completely different world mm. that hasn't even been um, sung into existence yet yeah. full of talking beasts and, and mythical creatures and then and then there's like you know 20th century London <laughs> not 20th century oh it is 20th century London I yeah. meant I meant 1920s yeah. London but I think that's technically wrong I don't know how old Oh, good question. Diggory would be the professor. He's like an old man by. He's an old man during the, during the London bombings. He's not. Yeah. Um, so it would be. It actually wouldn't be 20th century. Yeah. London. It's 19th century London. Yeah. Um, I think they're talking about like a like a cart. Like there's not even cars. Yeah, point. it's pulled by a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's that's true. So, um, it's like a completely unique. World, it's it's sort of it's different to a parallel universe. Yeah, it's just they all exist. They occupy a different space, but you can't get to them except through magic. Yeah, um, and sort of waypoints and things like that, like how the Tom Marines got in. Yeah, uh, which is cool. Um, 
but yeah, like closer to home. <laughs> I guess a bit more Narnian domestically. It's just really cool. Like you've got Archerland um, to the west, which we don't really explore a lot. But then there's like the, the marshes to the north and the giants from the north, which I feel like is a real trope. Mm. Giants always come from the north. Um, <laughs> the giants, yeah. <laughs> the giants. And yeah, south of that is um, uh, Calumet. Yeah, and then there's yeah to the east there's the Lone Islands and and then the end of the world Aslan's country mm. yeah, the other east what's in the west Archerland and then more stuff also Telma okay. technically um, where the Telmarines are who are also originally like the the descendants of people oh. but um, Archerland is also full of humans who are like the descendants of the first people. Um, in Narnia. So in the magician's nephew, there's like a cabbie. Yeah. And his wife, his wife Helen, I think. Yeah. Um, or Nelly or something. Actually, she, she could be Helen and he calls her Nelly. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. But um, they're like the first people. And then for, you know, son of Adam and daughter of Eve. Yeah. Narnia is only ever right when a son of Adam is on the throne. Mm. Uh, so Archimand is made up of like their descendants as well, yeah. I guess. I'm not so sure about like Calumet though, because they're like ethnically different. Mm. Um, I don't know how that works. How mm. like humans, if they're also the descendants of people from our world, or you're referring to people from the horse and his boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also in Last Battle. Yeah, yeah. Which a lot of people don't like because they're like they're dark skinned and stuff. But also Calumet is a desert yeah. nation, so it's sort of you know makes sense. There, there might have been some like racial undertones and like anti Muslim agenda from C.S. Lewis Maybe. in doing that. Um, depends on how you feel about the, the, <laughs> the, the ape being the bad, the bad guy in the last one. Um, <laughs> uh, and maybe, maybe I'm a bit naive that I don't necessarily jump on that and be like, that's problematic. But um, yeah, they are a desert place. Yeah, and like, yeah, dark skin is sort of reflective. Of that, yeah. Narnia is not a desert place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there could have been some. There could have been some not white um, good guys. There would have been. There was. There was one. <laughs> there was. There was one not white good guy. Um, yeah, it was. It was the forties. People. It's just. It is what it is. You know what? Yeah, and like there becomes a point where where allegory should be allowed to be realistic. And I suppose if you if, if you know you're looking at competing faiths, one that is vaguely reflective of Christianity and one that is reflective of Islam, it's sort of like from C.S. Lewis' perspective, he he might, in his experience in the forties, have seen most you know Protestants mm. were white. Um, I don't know if there was a huge boom of Islam though in like 1940s. Really comes up, yeah. Like I, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's definitely like anti-Islam, but I don't know if it's necessarily racist. Yeah, it, it might. It's not necessarily anti-Middle East. Yeah, which yeah. But again, for for the modern day Christian, there is a point where zeal for your own faith really needs to have a line in the sand of not being anti-Semitic, anti-Islam. Yeah. Like it's that's not how we roll. Like Muslims are like basically they are cousins. Yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're our spiritual cousins. Um, they were similar things to us. Yeah, there are some fundamental differences. But yeah, 
Um, I've had some really great conversations actually with um, uh, through Red Frog's ministry at the university. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking to a few Muslim students, and uh, one in particular, we, we we talked for like maybe an hour just nice. about how our faith manifests, and um, she had no issues with the fact that I wasn't um, Muslim, and she was actually quite eager to hear about my faith because she's grown weary of how faithless the world is. So seeing, seeing someone devout to any faith was um, like like sort of encouraging to her. Um, so that's cool, we had a long chat. And at no point did I feel like she was going to get offended when I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you know, you believe this and we believe that. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, a pissing contest about whose God was real. Mm. Just talking about what it's like to be uh, faithful to God in the secular world. Um, mm. Anyway, there's another fun tangent. <laughs> I preferred that tangent to the Barbie one. <laughs> but uh, I'll stop talking now. But Narnia and Last Airbender, check out those world maps. You can easily Google image search them. Mm. And they're cool. And they're both great stories. Mm. The two that I keep coming back to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Nice. Um, yeah, I've got a few. Nine is a pretty good one. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, and yeah, there's definitely like levels of like similarity that we have as Christians to other religions and even like Indians and stuff, of course. Uh, anyway, um, places. Two of my favorite books, book series, um, I, I love, but they're super basic. Because they're kind of children's books. So the first one's uh, the Aragon series. Sure. It's uh, Allegatia is the, the, the land mass that um, they do they have their adventures on. Do you get accused of a lot of things in Allegatia? <laughs> <laughs> it could be Allegatia, but um, it's got the little, like, it's weird. Sure, know. like a, like some dots on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know, some sort of weird... It sounds like allegations. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's like, you know, dragons and elves and dwarves and like, it's just a general kind of fantasy world. Mm. That's a lot of fun. It's just fun to be in. Uh, the other one that I kind of like is um, Aralluan? Yeah. From the Rangers Apprentice series. Have you read that? No. They're great. They're so fun. Um... The guy's an Australian author, which is sick. Or I like to see it. And he writes... Actually, those, those two things sound very fantasy, like a ranger's apprentice, but then knowing that they're written by Australian, it's like, apprentice, I'm thinking trading, and like, bush ranger. Yeah. <laughs> the ranger's apprentice. Yeah. It's not like sorcerer's apprentice. No. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you keep going. It's, like, it's um... All of the countries that they visit are very thinly veiled real places. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played a Pokemon game? Yeah, well. <laughs> so, like, the main Aralewan, whatever it's called, is basically England. Like, sure. feudal England. Um, there are castles, and he's like a, a ranger, which is like the police, basically. But they have the camouflage. But they can't say the word camouflage. <laughs> um, yeah, just have a lot of... They run around, they go to this place, and it's basically France. And you know it's France because 
it's basically England but in a different language and there are prostitutes there. Yes, they put that in the book. Sure. Yeah. And then you go into <laughs> Slutty England, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there were like a bunch of mimes. <laughs> People always had baguettes in their bags, <laughs> the front of their bikes. It's like it's like feudal, like feudal France, basically. Freudal. <laughs> and then there's like a neighboring country that's basically. Like Norway, so there's, there's like Vikings there, mm-hmm. and then at one point they go to Japan. <laughs> yes, lol. Um, they go to Japan in one of the books. Yeah, it's, is it Japan? It's called <laughs> it's called Nippon Pa. Okay, and that's basically how Japanese people say Japan. So not even subtle, mate. Mm. It's great though. It's very it's a good book. But I learned a lot about like. The kind of, it's kind of semi-accurate in the sense of like, yeah, this is how it would have worked back then. Um, when they have like big battles, it's kind of accurate to how it would have happened. Mm. So at one point, um, Mongolians come and try to invade Norway. And, um, but they, they full on use as like, this is the weapon that the Mongolians actually used at the time and the strategies they used and this is the country that they came from. And they bred their horses this way, and they had bows and arrows that were like this because of this. Like, oh, sick, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, like actual history because of oh, this kind of thing. Because <laughs> of these thinly veiled allegories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> allegories are the right word, but, <laughs> but yeah, representations. <laughs> um, yeah, and at one point, one of the main characters gets a um, a samurai sword, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of. They kind of talk about how it was made and folding the metal and hammering it and folding how it's different to the traditional English swords at the time. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a good, wholesome book. It's really easy to read. Um, reading it now, I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, actually, that's, that, they're, they're prostitutes. Yeah, I was, like, was, was going to make a joke. I thought you were going to say something else, and I was about to make a joke like, "Wow, wow, more prostitutes!" Than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what you said. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> At one point, one of the main characters gets like addicted to drugs, and you're like, "But it's like a fictional drug." Yeah. And then he has to like kind of wean himself off it, or someone has to wean him off it, and like. When I was 10 years old, I had no idea, but it was wild. Cactus juice. Oh. It'll quench you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mmm. Counter Earth. Mmm. Like, there's an octopus filling meth. Yeah, well. To kids. <laughs> yeah. And, just a really interesting thing to include. <laughs> like what, you know, this peaceful utopia. And then it gets blown yeah. out. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if uh, Guardian Story came out. No, it's on Disney Plus now. I can I can say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if it was too too new to talk about in explicit detail, but yeah, I didn't spoil any major things other than a planet got blown up. But <laughs> it's not the first time that's happened in a movie. Yeah. Well, um, okay, yeah. Or a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> it's literally happened in every Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But the first one, he, in the collector's thing, he shows a oh, planet being destroyed. Oh, yeah. 
by Celestial with the power stone. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, don't you question me. Yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have. <laughs> no, it's cool. But you, you being like, did it happen? And then I get to flex a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, sick. Yeah. Uh, so, and so those are my kind of basic ones. I just enjoy them because they're fun. Yeah, but you've got a big end. A big end, um, oh, there are two really big ones. I'm just going to mention by name. The Stormlight Archive by Brendan Sanderson is what I'm reading at the moment. And it's kind of, it's a really fun world. Um, and the whole country is kind of ruled by, like every rule of the country happens because of these high storms that happen. And so, um, like grass and leaves and stuff all retract back into the earth and into mm. the trees because they don't want to get blown off. So, and, um, it's kind of, everything's kind of, based around the fact that these storms happen and they're really dangerous. That's a bit fun. But the big one I want to talk about is uh, the Decronus Memoria series by Anthony Ryan. He wrote three books. Uh, they're about dragons. And it's... Look! <laughs> and there's like... Yeah, there's a really good map to it and kind of different countries that are at war with the honor. And they're all trying to colonize other areas and um, looking for resources and stuff. And the one I really love is there's this one country that's ruled by a corporation. Sure. It's like the ultimate capitalist utopia. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like constantly expanding in that they're colonizing other places. Mm. All of the higher uppers are called shareholders. I like they just run everything at like not that it's best for people, but just to get a profit for the shareholders. Sure. And so yeah, they're always like expanding and looking for dragons to kind of mine. They use their blood for different uses. And uh, I just it was just such a fun concept. And I thought, this is gold. Like, who would have ever thought of, like, a capitalist utopia as, like, a world-building fantasy device? Not me. Yeah. Not me. But I love it. I'm here for <laughs> it. Put in some dragons and some cool characters, and I'm all about that. Yeah. If capitalism with dragons. <laughs> that's actually, that's the one thing capitalism needs more of, is dragons. <laughs> um, but I like that. It's, so it's called... Draconis Memoria. Yeah. And you're like, it's about dragons. And I was like, it's literally called Dragon Memoirs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you listening at home weren't sure that Draconis, Draconis Memoria was about dragons. It's literally right there in the name. Yeah. I think the first book is called like The Winged Fire or something. Second's like The Legion of Flame. And so they're all very dragon themed. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So much fun. It's like if Jeff Bezos was in charge of a country and then just like <laughs> conscripted the rest of that country to work in your search shops. <laughs> Basically. That's a lot of fun. Come on, Jeffrey, you can do it. <laughs> Get those dragons to put you back into. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so good, so good. There's so many like the the secret society thing of like it's kind of based in the real life, but with, like, a secret kind of thing happening, like Hogwarts or, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, oh, this is a cool, really fun world. Mm. But, like, that was tough to kind of go. 
put that aside. Just purely fancy places. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. There's so many, like, ones as well. Like, I don't know if you've read much Terry Pratchett. I haven't, but I know people that have. And there's, like, you know, the Discworld yeah. series. Everything takes place on the back of a giant space turtle, which is... Sick. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, like, a turtle, and it's got like four elephants on its back and those four elephants are holding up something else it's holding up something else it's holding up a disc shaped world um, <laughs> that's pretty cool it's a concept yeah. um, the cosmic turtle um, <laughs> which I think is like a real I think so a real like thing I don't want to say religion or belief system <laughs> oh it's a real legend <laughs> it's a real legend <laughs> it's a real legend <laughs> a secret tunnel. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite places. There we go, secret tunnels yes. between, before, but, uh, underneath the mushroom. Um, <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, there's so many cool places. Yeah. Because I think there's, like, the thing is Star Wars. Mm. And it's really lame <laughs> how many planets there are. They call it all one galaxy. And yeah. there's so many planets that are just, this one's a desert. Yeah. And this one has snow. Yeah. And this one is just lava. Even Coruscant, it's all city. Yeah. The whole planet. The whole planet's one city. But, and then you've got, so really, that all the nice planets are ones where it's just either all forest or partially forest in some palaces. So like, Endor yeah. is cool. Mm. And Naboo yeah. is the best one because it's, it's lakes. Fields, trees, palaces. Yeah. <laughs> and you assume the palaces are like uh, man-made. So yeah. originally it was just all lakes and fields, mm. um, which is just kind of lazy. Yeah. Because we live on a planet. Yeah. Although I guess if you compare us to all the other planets, they all are just like entirely gas or rock or mm. you know, the sun is all. Fire. <laughs> like yeah, but it's still, still, yeah. it's still if it's inhabitable, it yeah. should have more than one thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you if you want snow, lakes, ocean, um, you know, mountains, desert, Australia has all of yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Let alone the rest of the planet. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that like, like ice poles, you know, like there should at least be some like yeah. I see area to your planet. It can't just be all green. Yeah. And like the, the galaxy is like set up, you know, there's like the outer rim. Yeah. And you think, okay, so there's like, there must be, you know, a certain number of suns and stuff, but like Tatooine has two suns. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense if it's in the same galaxy as like other planets. Yeah. Like, because they, they always just say... No, they're different systems. Like a Tatooine system. Yeah, that's true. Like a solar system. Yeah. So it's not all... Yeah, because a galaxy doesn't need one sun. Yeah. But um, but a system would have... Yeah. ...suns. But still, you know? Yeah. It's pretty lazy. They usually just use system... Like the Dagobah system is... It's Dagobah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's And it's all in one giant galaxy. And, I don't know. It's so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> there's a bit there's a bit in Rebels. There's like a whole electric storm that you have to get through to get out of the galaxy. Really? Yeah, to get to Lasot. Okay, outside of the galaxy. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. It's a cartoon. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was one episode. Yeah. Really, <laughs> the only, like... Like, Naboo kind of makes sense in that there are, like, two species, two sentient species at least, living on the planet, one in the water, one mm-hmm. on the land. Cool. That's a bit more world-building. Yeah. Get a bit more about in Clone Wars as well. <laughs> yeah, well, there's... You know, like, Admiral Akbar? Yeah. He's a... What they call a Mon... Mon Calamari. <laughs> Mon Calamari. <laughs> Mon Calamari. Um, their planet, which is called... I think called, like, Mon Calamaria. Yeah. Something, something like that. that. Um, but you know Kit Fisto? He's, like, a green... Yeah, yeah. ...with his, like, tentacles and big big eyes. The, those two species are from the same planet, and they're both, like, yeah. a planet. But the planet is named after one of the species Lol. that lives there. That's savage. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> at least, um, at least with DC, you know, there's two types of Martians. There's like yeah. red Martians and green Martians, or something, yeah. or white, white Martians and green Martians, and the green ones that have different powers to the white ones, but the, mm. and the white ones are all evil. Um, <laughs> which I, I think is green. Ones. <laughs> yeah, it's just realistic. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the green ones are physically superior, and the white ones are oppressive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's literally how they describe. Yeah, um, and yeah. So, Martian Manhunter is a green Martian, and they're yeah. like, you know, they have all these crazy powers of like intentionality and mind powers and strength and heat vision. He's so OP. Yeah, and he's just weak to fire, bro. He's from the red planet. He's weak to fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's colder there. Yeah, well. Um. Yeah, sick. Yeah, and then the the, the white Martians. They might not even be white. They might be red. I think it's white. I think it is. I think it is too. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a super girl. Um, I think it's in Young Justice as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that it's in all of them. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but, yeah, sorry. Star Wars, very lazy. Very lazy. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, let's be real. George Lucas is not, like... The, the original concept is really cool. I love it. Um, but he is not... The greatest world builder in the world. Although everything you see and hear in Star Wars has a name and like a thousand word Wikipedia entry. <laughs> so there, there is a lot of world building to do with Star Wars. Yeah. But it's not like the worlds themselves are very nuanced. Yeah. Well, everyone kind of doesn't have a planet he's from. Hmm. He does like, yeah. I was watching a video the other day. The other day. And it might have been an old one. They might have retconned that actually he does come from a certain planet. Mm. But, like, yeah, at the time of writing, they just, he just didn't come from anywhere. He just is. There you go. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Good times. Have you seen Kenobi, the show? Yeah. There's a bit where he, he says, just, you know, force memories or whatever. He's like, I seem to remember having a brother. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From wherever he was from. He was just thinking about Anakin. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we don't know where he's from, though. It's like how Yoda is the only, like, unidentified species. We don't know what he's called. Yeah, right. And there's only, like, one other yeah. of him, Yaddle. And Yaddle doesn't speak like him. Yeah. It's just a Yoda thing. Yeah, it's just, like, he, it's just his thing. That's what happens when you're nearly 900 years old. You get a bit senile sometimes. Yeah, he just speaks and he speaks him back to front. Yeah, a bit senile. There's like a quote from I think one of the books where Dookie talks about how um, 
the like, of course the Jedi Order like have been corrupted. Jedi Yoda is nine hundred years old. No one can have power for that long and like be cool with it. Mm. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Like, like yeah, and he just like talks like a weirdo. You don't know what's half like saying half the time. So yeah, <laughs> he feigns wisdom by making you think you're the crazy one because he <laughs> talks like a lunatic <laughs> for no reason. Um, do or do not, there is no try. Now that I think about it, doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, that one, because they really overdo it in the prequels. Mm. Um, and, and kind of in Return of the Jedi, because he says, when 900 years old, you are, look so good, you will not. <laughs> um, but it's like, those clauses are technically back to front, but it's still kind of a sentence. Mm. And then they really ham it up in the prequels in the Clone Wars series, where it's like, like frustratingly mm. frustrating to listen to um, but good relations with the rookies are <laughs> begun the Clone Wars has <laughs> um, yeah so fun so yeah, you, you don't have to talk like that yet. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah in a frustrating work it's not that bad and do or do not there is no try it's technically two independent clauses mm, yeah um, you can separate that by a semicolon. It's like one sentence that he's flipped around. Yeah. Um, mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the Bible for the time that we have left. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what, what biblical, how have you approached sort of biblical locations? Yeah. Yeah, what you got? Um, so, it's a bit difficult because it takes place in like real life. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my main ones I've gone for are like kind of the Garden of Eden um, and the New Creation, which are kind of like the two that are a bit more different than our usual places. Mm. Um, so like Garden of Eden, obviously like a garden, which is like, like when you think about it, super interesting way they describe a place. Like it's ordered and it's like, like if I think of my grandma's garden, Things are in, a, in the right places, and yeah. you know they get the right amount of sun and the right amount of water, and it's not just like a forest, which is what I've always kind of imagined it to be. Yeah, like yeah, that's if you think about it, like what's the difference between a garden and and yeah, like in woods or bush yeah. or a park, like purpose and purpose and order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it says in the Bible that in in Eden God planted a garden. And so it's like, it's not just that there's uh, this place called Eden, which I think means delight. And then in delight, he planted a garden, which is like full of fruit trees and like every, like a tree for all of the animals to eat from. Like, so you never have to eat meat unless there's a steak tree. There might have been steak tree for the lions. We don't know. <laughs> but like in this perfect garden, there's just like no conflict. And no, like, predator-prey relationship. It's just like, oh, we all chill out. And we live you know, in a nice environment. And I take care of you. And, yeah, it's just it's just it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. Do you have other places that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you went sort of, like, Eden and Heaven. Sort of, you know, the yeah. beginning and the end. Because um, there are sort of, there's a lot of in-between that takes place. Here and now. Well, not here and now, but like, it does take place here and then. Mm. Um, and 
I think there's a lot of symbolism and actual history surrounding Egypt. Mm. Uh, and there's other pla- other significant places like Jerusalem, uh, the Promised Land, yeah. uh, Mount Sinai. But Egypt's an interesting one because it's kind of linked to all of them. Like, mm. I'll see, oh, should I do it in a linear way? Yeah, I'll go linear, but then I'll come back to one. <laughs> um, so you're talking about the Garden of Eden, and as a result of sin, there's judgment. You can't be in the garden anymore. Yeah. Um, in a similar way, before, um, like, in Egypt, God judges the sin of the Egyptians in, in keeping um, Israel, like, as slaves and mm. so harshly. It's like God's judgment, uh, which is, yeah, shared from being exiled from the garden. There's judgment for, for Pharaoh in Egypt for his harsh treatment mm. of Israel. Um, but then the Promised Land, mm. which is a, another significant place, and even like Mount Sinai where they received the law, all of that only takes place after tribulation in Egypt. Mm. Um, and God tells Abraham as much, or Abram at the time, in Genesis 15. Mm. He says, you're going to have been like 400 years, four generations as um, uh, sojourners, mm. um, wanderers and exiles and, and slaves and mistreated in a foreign land. Like, that was just very upfront. <laughs> 400 years of, of foreknowledge that this is going to happen, but you will still get the promised land. Mm. And so um, Israel's yeah, trial and tribulation in Egypt, their suffering, is not evidence of God's neglect of them, Mm. But if he was right about this, he correctly told them this that that would happen. Um, then he's going to be right about the promised land as well. Mm. Like he he said, he's going to free us. Mm. Um, and you see that all throughout Exodus, it's like the Lord heard their groaning, mm. and this took place just as the Lord had said. Mm. Um, and then similarly, the the new the new creation, the new heaven, new earth, the kingdom of God. You only get there by God's intervention and rescue through mm. Jesus. In the same way, you only get out of Egypt because of God's powerful intervention. Mm. He said plagues, parts the sea, um, and he's the one doing all the, the heart work mm. in Pharaoh's heart. He hardens it and softens it. And so yeah, kind of Egypt is, the, the exodus is, it's what's really, it's the basis of, God's goodness as well that Israel keeps going back to. Like mm. the Psalms and the prophets, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. Mm. So Egypt is very significant. Mm. And in a funny twist of irony, <laughs> when Jesus is born, he escapes to Egypt yeah. from Herod. Mm. And yeah, yeah this, so this is that fun parallel, just like Israel. Mm. Jesus comes out of Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, into the land. Yeah. The, in the land of Israel that God's prepared. Yeah. Yeah. He escapes Herod, who is trying to kill all of the children under two. Just as yeah. Herod, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. So, what are we trying to say here, Matthew? That, like, Israel is the new Egypt? Yes, that's exactly what he was trying to say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Jesus is going to bring about the, like, a new Exodus, which they were kind of already, had kind of already experienced. Like, the three major prophets, which are, 
is it what Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah yeah. each talk of um, new creation, uh, new exodus, and um, new exile? One uh, three, not new exile. Um, restoration of exile? Yeah. 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 Not, not a new exile. Yeah. New restoration. Well. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's like a new temple. Yeah. I used to know. This was in our study class, yeah. You you learned this too, same as me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I was not the choice to bring it up without fully having the thought fleshed out. Um, But yeah, I just love that Egypt is, it's such a, like, it's a literal thing that happened. God is so good, and you see that so clearly in his um, liberation of his people from from Egypt. Mm-hmm. And his sovereignty, the fact that he predicted it 400 years earlier. Mm. Um, but it's just his consistency since then, the fact that he brought them out of that to receive the law so that they could know his will and obey him. Yeah. That's like, that's Galatians 5, you know, it is for freedom that you have been free. Mm. Um, God has rescued you so that you can do his will. Mm. Um, it's the, yeah, it's like symbolically jam packed. But it's also, it's literal. It happened. And it would have sucked to have lived there. Mm. Um, and God is great. Yeah. So I like, I like that you sort of, you talked about the, the, I guess, Bible specific ones. The ones we couldn't just walk to. Yeah, book, yeah. Book a ticket to. You know, well, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, Egypt is like a, a place, but it's also a motif in the Bible. Yeah. I like, what, what other book is written like that? Where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, Mordor. It's like, Every time you hear the word Mordor or, or volcanoes, you're like, oh yeah, Gondor is near Mordor. I'm like, yeah, for sure. There's yeah. a big volcano coming out of the, the castle. No, that doesn't happen. It's just like, it's one of those books mm. in the Bible that's just like, yeah, forever blowing your mind. Yeah. It doesn't stop. Love it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if you prepared a fun segment, but I feel, you know, we have a little bit of time left or... Which would be very brief. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if you did prepare anything, but maybe for the sake of being brief, um, one of us is somewhere to be. It's not, don't worry guys, we're not thinking It's anything. me. <laughs> um, but like, you know, life goes on. Um, but I thought, just for the fun segment, we could keep on theme. Yeah. If you were designing a fictional place. Oh. And if you don't like what you say, we can come back to this. You'd be like, just go off the dome, spitfire. What... Like geological features are a must. Yeah. And like, how would you do it in like a cool, unique way? And I'll ponder while you go off the dome as well. Yeah, I've always thought if I was going to write a book that um, having a like similar, similar motif to Egypt, mm. it'd be like it'd be awesome to have a character who lives in the mountains and from like the the origin of their time. The thought of mountains as the idea as like a struggle. Mm. That's just what it was to live on a mountain, and then to have that kind of repeating throughout a book, as like, oh, then he like had to fight the mean bartender who looked like a mountain, and then he fought the king and his face was like a mountain, mm. and to kind of use that kind of repeating motif. So I'd love to do that kind of thing. I definitely have some mountains. I think I'm just drawn to them naturally because mm. it. Awesome, great in power. Um, yeah, so that'd be my kind of my kind of thing. 
Yeah. And then to have like him rest in a land that has none. Yeah. Yeah. In a valley. Yeah, yeah. Or a plateau. Yeah, yeah. By the beach. Yeah. That's cool. I think um I think that I think it's really cool. I don't know if this is like one of the big ones. So maybe we'll come back to it for like spend some of the next two weeks coming up with <laughs> our, our real answers. But I love the idea of there's uh you've got a body of water. Yeah. You do a deep dive. Yeah. And there's sort of underwater caverns. But then you surface and it's like caves that you can only access through underwater. Yeah. Something like uh, Velocity of Atlantis type of vibes. Yeah, nice. Things like that. Um, there's uh, like Eric the Viking is a storybook I read. Like our classroom teacher read it to us uh, in year four. <laughs> and there was a bit like that that I think they, they went off the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Viking story. They went off the end of the world and um, ended up in a bit where they were underwater for a bit and then they surfaced and they were, they were underground having just been underwater. I think that's, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Because you can climb places but you don't always think you know, exploring means you go down and you die. Mm. Um, I, I like the idea of volcanoes mm. as like an ever-present, like a dormant volcano symbolic of like peacetime. Mm. Um, an active volcano uh, time of uh, turbulence and disruption. Yeah, see. Um, and I don't know how it would work, but I like the idea of something that existed, like similar to mountains, but not like a mountain range, but like something so high, like a, a town or a village or something that was so high that it's always cloudy. Yeah, nice. Um, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, like Meston. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, Meston. But. Um, but that, cause that's like a really tall, they're like buildings. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm thinking like very natural. You go, you climb this mountain, you find a village and like even they don't have rivers the way that they gather their water. It's like they, they take a bucket and they, mm. a, a special bucket that collects clouds <laughs> and that's water. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. Or they just like wash their things, like their clothes in the cloud cause it's wet. It's made of water vapor. Yeah. That sounds cool. I like it. I don't know if they would all exist in the same world, but yeah. Symbolic volcano, uh, under, underwater caverns, uh, and, uh, cloud town. (laughs) Cloud village. Um, (laughs) but yeah, we can think about this and come back to it. Highs and lows, like all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's great. Great way of thinking about (laughs) space in terms of like 3D instead of just like, yeah. 2D. So there's a forest, and then there's a lake, and yeah. then there's a field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, we're going up and down. But yeah, no, if you go, uh, like clouds, volcan- uh, clouds, underwater caverns, and volcanoes, then you can say, you've got your highs, lows, and that actually blows. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a volcano. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a volcano. Yeah, it was a <laughs> Because volcano also rhymes, but <laughs> highs, lows, and volcanoes, <laughs> but there she blows. Nice. Um, oh, we should make a, a rap about <laughs> this fictional land. <laughs> Great. That's the name of your book that you're going to write. Highs, <laughs> lows, and there she blows. That's the one. series. It's a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. Oh, man. I look forward to the release. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, we're going to say goodbye for now. Thank you, time. And yeah, good chats. We've had more to say about geography than we thought than I thought we would. You're welcome, James. Good on you, Jimmy. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, bye for now. Enjoy the outro music, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Sublime!